the Making Sense of Life podcast number 58. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome again to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Raheja, as we continue to make sense of life in an increasingly challenging and complex world. We've been looking in these last uh, few podcasts, um, 56 and 57 and now into 58, we're looking at at the whole issue of Christians being the most persecuted group, uh, religious group in the world. And you'd never guess that if you looked at the mainstream media. Uh, but yet the, the fact is that more Christians have died for their faith uh, in, in the last hundred years than have in the previous 2000. And somebody who's got a real passion for that is Patrick Sukdeo. Patrick is the, uh, in, is, is the director of the study of, of Islam and Christianity, as well as the d- international director of Barnabas Fund. And in the last two podcasts, we've been getting to know Patrick and, and his experiences that have molded this great passion for serving the persecuted church around the world. So, Patrick, it's great to have you again. Thank you, Thank you so much. Yeah. So, Patrick, we've learned a lot about your life we, we, and, uh, and, and who you are and, and this passion that drives you. So, why don't you just tell us, what is Barnabas Fund? Going back to 1989 and the gathering that took place in on the island of Cyprus and addressing the issues... What was this gathering in Cyprus? It was when church leaders came from a variety of backgrounds from the Middle East, Africa, and Asia to address the issue of persecution in Islamic contexts. Yes, and nobody was talking about it. No one. At that point, uh, none of the agencies, anybody, their focus was on the communist The secular media wasn't, the Christian Christian world wasn't. But they did speak about persecuted Christians, but it was under communism. Under communism, yes. Because that was the big issue. And that was communism was about to fall and and come Exactly. But here am I now looking at uh, persecution in the uh, context of Islam. So we took the decision to create an organization. Now, Barnabas has a link with Cyprus, is yeah. where he was from. Ah, yes. That's right. So Barnabas in the New Testament from Acts, from the Acts, exactly. Acts of the Apostles. And yeah, Barnabas. The great encourager of exactly. Paul. Exactly. The son yeah. of encouragement. Yes. So what name should we have? Yes. We are going to be those who bring encouragement to the yes. persecuted church. Yes. And we're only going to focus on Christians. We are not... We, we took Galatians 6.10. Okay, what is Galatians 6.10? Paul 10? says, do good to all, yeah. but especially to the household of faith. Yeah. So the church at that point had eight agencies that served the world's poor. Yes, an no important one, work. But uh, important, but they did not 
take into account Christians mm. who yes. are suffering. Yes. So we created an aid agency that would be directed towards Christian communities. Right. As opposed to helping everyone. Yes. And we put out a leaflet in around about 1991-92 on a Basti, which is a slum area in yes. Peshawar, Pakistan, okay. of a Christian. And we simply said, this man is a Christian. Yeah. The result was amazing. Right. People just start sending in funds. So you, so you took a picture of a, of a Christian man in yeah. a slum in Peshawar yeah. in Pakistan, and that was that was your sort of... Our lead-in. Your lead-in, yeah. And the result... And then more and more people began to say, look, how we can we help Christians? Yes. So Barnabas Fund then grew rapidly uh, into looking at churches and Christian communities yes. in all these different countries. Yes. So in the 1990s, I was involved in Iraq ferrying food and humanitarian okay. assistance to Iraqi Christians. Yes. We wrote a leaflet uh, on there are Christians in Iraq. So what we did was what no one else was doing. Yeah. None of the agencies. Yeah. Why do you involved. think it is is that with with followers of Christ who are persecuted around the world, why is it we hear so little about it? What, what, what do you think that? Why I think it? it's changing now. But in those days, the the world of uh, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, we had British had interests in those areas. The mission agencies operated in those. And the advocacy agencies were only interested in communism. Yes. And so uh, many Western governments saw communism as the great evil. They didn't see that other religions could be yes. just as oppressive. And maybe it's a product of our secular yeah. secular thinking as well, yeah. is that we assume that religion has no value at all. Exactly. And, and that somehow people are well fed and they have material possessions, yes. that somehow they'll be satisfied. Even though Jesus said exactly. 2,000 yes. years ago, man does not live yeah. by bread alone. Exactly. And but you yes. see, we yes. faced another problem, yes. which is with us today, that the British-American governments, Western governments, were in league with the governments that were, that were uh, persecuting Christians. Yeah, so Saudi, obviously, if we, we, get, we get our oil from Saudi Arabia. Exactly. Yeah. So they're not going to criticize the Saudis. No. And then our interests led to the persecution of Christians. For example, uh, and I speak now for, as an analyst, military analyst, counterterrorism, up till, say, 1990 odd, uh, and then moving into 9-11, almost all wars in the Middle East had to do with geography, not religion. Right. Uh, so, so until when? So until on, uh, I'll explain. Yeah. Up the, uh, then comes the Second Gulf War. Ah, Saddam right. Hussein did not persecute Christians. No. Uh, President Assad to this day looks after Christians. So we're in a situation now. We are going to wage war in these countries, and the, the backlash comes now later as we destabilize these countries. Their leaders and their people say. It's the Christian West that wants yes. to destroy There is Islam. still this understanding, which, which I think Westerners do not appreciate, yes. that, the, that, that, that even though the Western, West, you know, America, Britain, and Europe yeah. have jettisoned Christianity, they are still, still identified as Christian, because even though is, they're secular. And it's very much missed, I think. Because this is how most of the world sees it. Yes. And then when we get to 2008, 
that period. Yeah. You see a massive shift taking place on Islamic violence. It is now religiously oriented yes. and now anti-Christian. And this is the ironic thing, because he, here in the West, we want to say that Muslims are peace-loving, which they are by and large, yes. and yet we are refusing to acknowledge that people who do the terrorism yes. are saying we are the true Muslims. Yes, but we need to understand why they did it. Yes, They did it because we have now gone and poked the hornet's nest. We have destabilized their country. Yes. That has led to the killing of many, many Muslims. Mm. And here we are now, sitting in the safety of the UK, and we have created mayhem. And so in those countries, people turn on the Christians and yes. says, look. The Christians who already live there and who have lived there for thousands of years. Exactly. So, I remember a case being in, in Iraq, in Baghdad, and when uh, just after the war collapsed, and the Christians start being hurt, went to the Muslim, went to the uh, generals Christi uh, uh, of the American military and says, will you help us? Uh, the Americans and British refused to help. They then said to the Muslims, you shouldn't be doing this. They said, go to your uncle Bush. He's a Christian. Yes, Let him right. help you. Yes. You don't belong here. And there, there is, a, I think, a refusal or unwillingness to recognize this, this, but this today, kind of dynamic. That's today, going on. Britain and America, and may I say Christian organizations, and you have all these reports coming out, do not accept that it is our foreign policy and military decisions that have led to the virtual extermination of, of Christian minorities wow. in the Muslim world. And this denial is leading, I don't know to where, religious liberty is being weaponized and politicized. Right. So it is now a weapon to beat up uh, other countries. And here are Christian agencies, I'm sorry, exaggerating Christian persecution. Okay. Stories which are not true, and not only that, you cannot see Christian persecution as this blanket term. It has to be nuanced. If I can illustrate, take yes, Pakistan. Yeah. Imran Khan, as the new prime minister, is a man of great integrity, has ensured the release of Asya Bibi, mm. has, is he protecting yes. Christians, yes. is doing everything he can to support a Christian community. Yes. Yet he is now being attacked by Christians. You in, what, in, what, in what sort of way? Because they hold him responsible for all the ills attacking which Christians are suffering. Okay. Now, and so why are they attacking him on that? Because they're saying he should bring change to the country. Right, but okay. the point is, the Christians see him as a person God has sent. Change will come for the good, but it cannot come immediately. No, the, all these things take time. You yeah. take Nigeria. You classify Nigeria as great persecution. Yes, it's got, a Muslim, it's got Muslim North and a Christian exactly. South. Exactly, but Christian in the South, South is freedom. Yeah. You take Syria. Syria is a country where President Assad supports the church completely. And yet we support Saudi Arabia, which will kill any Christian, and yet we hate uh, Syria. So British and American government policies are based essentially on their geopolitical interests and concerns. Yes, yeah. And so Christian agencies in the West, particularly in Britain, jump on that to say, look how bad it is, support us. And they're not looking at what's going to be the future of these countries if governments turn on them and see all Christians as being Western. Yes. And not authentic to their country. Yeah. That is the that, that is a deep-rooted 
perception of the West. It, yeah, w- yeah. It, it is, and we are in a very, very dangerous position. We Christians, whether it be in India, Pakistan, Syria, no, they have to work with their governments and be loyal and faithful and citizens. That they're good citizens. They yeah. cannot be seen as part of a Western yes. geopolitical agenda that uses religious liberty for its own ends. Yes. We talked about this on the last podcast, but I think it'd be very helpful for you to repeat it again. How should we look at Islam? And you've got three very helpful points. And I, I, just, I, I think it's so helpful. I, I'd appreciate you too. Muslims are human beings made in the divine image, no different from anyone else. The capacity to love and care exists. And in this world of a broken humanity, we've got to ensure that we do not increase the brokenness and hurt people. Yeah. Secondly, and the Christian calling yeah, is so to love and So we are called to care. love Muslims. We're called and to, to yeah. care and to do good. You know, I heard the phrase, Islam stands for I sincerely love all Muslims, I-S-L-A-M. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think people use terms like that, but what do they mean? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, don't know sh- how to love the world. What I do know is that those who are Muslims, we have to ensure they're not hurt and they're not discriminated against. Yeah. But Muslims are members of a religion, Islam, and in any liberal democratic society and in a globalized world, there must be free to exist, but be open to criticism. Yes. But when as a anybody, in a sense, you can see it on, on a human sense as well. Exactly. I should be f- open to criticism. I mean, exactly. I, I'm not perfect by any means. Exactly. And so, who who is if if I'm refusing criticism, then I'm basically making out that I'm perfect. Exactly. Um, but but when religion becomes political, yes. then we have to say no to it. So is that third issue? which we have sought to address. So the politicized Islam, which we have to recognize, which yeah. is heavily funded, heavily organized, and is bent on yeah. dominating the world or dominating nations exactly. and dominating people. That we cannot accept. Our governments, though, are duplicitous. They're involved with the very governments that would seek to destroy them and destroy Christianity. Now they're jumping on the bandwagon of religious liberty, which is now a weaponized and politicized statement. So what so in, so in what way in what way is that sir? If you were to say that China, Iran are denying religious liberty, let's introduce sanctions against them. Right. Or take Pakistan. Currently there's a discussion uh, that Britain differs sends aid to, to Pakistan because they do yeah. not comply, we remove the aid. We may even look like the US, do we go and invade? or orchestrate conflicts. So religious liberty becomes a weapon right. in in our political hands. Yeah, and in at the same time we get labeled as the Christian West who's it, doing, exactly. doing this. Yeah. Uh, so we have a very real dilemma. So Barnabas Fund, yes. we for example in Syria is now a recognized charity. The only uh, non-Syrian charity to be accepted because they know we look after Christians. Mm-hmm. They trust us. Same in Lebanon, Pakistan, and elsewhere. So we work with Christian communities. And we are very simple. If you give money to a project, and we fund over 450 projects every year, 100% of that money goes to the project. Our overall administrative overheads is 12%. Mm-hmm. Many agencies today are 45, 50, 60 it's percent. Mm-hmm. Then they say, but we are voices. We're advocates. 
and all the money goes to them. Goes to the central court. Yeah, and then they say we support Christians, but when I can think of one agency in Aleppo, they say we are funding Christians there by providing food. Eighty-two percent of the people they look after are Muslims, oh. and so this issue comes up, and Christians in these countries are saying, look. Who's going to listen to us? What is our voice? The whole system is directed against us, and will we survive? I've just come back from Africa, a conference for the whole of Africa, all theological colleges, and many senior Christian leaders. The war have gone from the Middle East to Africa. It's, it's a very difficult situation. It's better between Islam and... and uh, yeah, uh, in, uh, uh, extremism, yes. not Islam the religion but the extremist mm. elements are moving there. And where are all the churches? They've all left, they don't want to know. Uh, Westerners uh, are pulling out their missionaries, and, and these Christians are left. And then people write reports about them, and they write reports and they get big salaries, and they make a name for themselves, and the people are left. We do not minister to, but with, and I believe if I'm going to be Jesus, I have to be incarnate, and Barnabas Fund yes. must be incarnate within all these suffering communities. So identifying with the suffering. We identify yes. and we bear the pain. We cannot be removed from it. That is what makes us different from every other Western agency. Fascinating. Okay. Wow. So, so you work in over 60 countries of the world. Yeah. That's a lot to coordinate yes. and, and keep on, on top of And that. we do it very cheaply. Okay. And as I said, you give a gift. Well, you rescue brick kiln workers or Muslim converts, 100% goes directly. Yes, to we'll them. put a link to Barnabas Fund on, on, <laughs> on, on, on the website. Well, I mean, these are some very tough issues uh, that you're dealing with and some quite hard things th that you're saying as well. How, how do you see the future? Bleak. Oh. Uh, I think the world is going further apart. Globalization is gradually disappearing, and there is developing a new nationalism mm. based on identity. All religions are going through it, and the West is going through it. Mm. And Christians are caught in the middle. They have no state, they have no protector, yeah. they have God. So many Christians are fleeing their countries. Those within it realize they have difficulties. But at the same time, and here's the positive, the church is growing faster than she has ever grown in non-Western countries. Mm. There are more converts from Islam to Christianity than ever before in history. Mm. And the greater the pain, the greater the blessing. And if a, 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 a Tertullian and others have said... So that one of the early church fathers yes, at the beginning... Of, of the seed of the church, the blood of the martyrs... martyrs is, yeah. I don't fear death. And many Christians, so Egyptian Christians and others, willingly embrace suffering and death mm. uh, because of Christ. Yes. But not only that, the church is taking new forms. Yesterday, Sunday, I was in London at a cathedral there made up of Christians from Iraq. And as I stood up front and uh, was celebrating Holy Communion, Everyone there had fled, the elderly, the children. Mm. They had faced the devastation of this uh, post-Saddam era, Islamic State, 
They've seen families traumatized. They've seen death, but they were radiant. Mm. And I tell you, after two hours in the service, or two and a half hours, there was just rejoicing. You could sense the reality of Christ. Yes. People were joyous. We had a huge meal together. I see a new life taking place. Mm. The secularism of the West is killing off the churches. Yes. One of my books, The Death of Western Christianity. But what I yes. see is the life and the vibrancy of those who have suffered for Christ. Yes. And I believe that they have a message to the churches of Britain and the West of what authentic Christianity mm. is. And that's a Christianity that, that embraces the cross, that embraces suffering. Yeah and identifies with, yeah. with, with uh, This is critical. I, my latest book is on a history of, of persecution. Yes. And one of the things I've learned is that Constantine has been a disaster for the church. So next, unpack that for us. What do you mean by that? What, do you in, by, what does um, that mean? 314. In, in AD, AD 314. becomes, yeah. quote, a Christian. I don't yes, know so we don't know quite what happened. And yeah. then Christianized. So just, just, just to preface, just a quick for, for those listeners who are not sure of that, who don't know. So Constantine is that the Roman Empire goes from just having a handful of, of, of believers to other resurrection of Jesus in yeah. two centuries to becoming the dominant force. And yeah. Constantine goes into a battle and says, if I win this battle, I'll become a Christian. Yeah. And he wins the battle. And then exactly. But before that, the church was persecuted. So yeah. he then passes an edict that makes Christianity the religion of the empire protected by the sword. Yes. And so the history of the church... It, it now becomes top dog. Exactly. It becomes top dog. Instead yeah. of being the weak and vulnerable followers of Jesus, they become uh, the, uh, the followers of the emperor with the sword. So what I guess uh, I'm trying to say, this powerlessness of the Christian faith is our greatest strength. Mm. We do not need an earthly sword. We do not need governments. And I've come to see now, disaster we face is for governments to come and become our protectors. Right. We have Jesus as our protector, protector. God. If we live, we live. If we die, we die. Yeah. Yes, it's helpful when governments intervene, but if they're not our savior. They're not our savior. And we are now placing our interests into their hands. I think that's a major mistake. So if we're going to go through persecution, not just overseas, UK, this present government, Mr. Hunt, with an Anglican bishop, have launched this report on persecuted Christians. Guess what? They left Britain out. Okay, they don't even talk about persecution. They don't want to talk about persecution here. In the UK. And the Anglican church which has denied converts and supported the Muslims are now leading the discussion on persecution. So here's a government that have been responsible for mayhem. Here is a church that have acquiesced and supported it. And now in Britain, where we have Muslim converts being sent back to, to suffer potential death, they're saying Britain is not allowed to be discussed in persecution. Wow. And uh, yeah. that gives money now to yeah. many agencies overseas yeah. and discriminatory is not going to be discussed. They've set it up against yeah. persecuted Christians by protecting themselves and, and believing this is the fruit they're better. Of probably, this is the fruit of, of many decades of a secularization it, it of, comes of, from, of the West. No, I, I believe it comes from a deep arrogance right. that there's an unwillingness for this nation to admit its colonial past 
to admit what it's doing now and to say we are superior to every other country. Barnabas Fund has taken the lead of the denials of religious liberty in the UK. Yes. We have shown and talking about that, again yes. and again, and now the government has shut down that discussion. Where is the honesty yeah. of saying, look, we are, we've got it wrong. That arrogance and hypocrisy is what shapes our policies. Yes. And really what that calls for is, is a deep repentance yes. and a turning back. And yes. that is not something that is unique, that is, let's just say, well, we all need to that. the nature yeah, yeah, that's of it. It doesn't the come UK. to us naturally. But it doesn't come to any of us as human beings. But I think many are recognizing. I was just in Africa. South Africa had a truth and reconciliation. Right, yes. They went through a period of repentance. My wife's family, my wife's a New Zealander. Mm. New Zealand has actually done that regarding the treatment of the Maoris. I think many nations are looking at their past and coming to terms with it. If we don't face that mm. and face the fact that our policies have contributed much to persecution and they're doing it right, right now today. You take Syria and Iran. There are over three million Muslim converts in Iran. Wow. Yet we are, what's going to happen to them? Syria, it is President Assad that has protected the Christians. We have worked with the other side for the destruction of the Christians. So we are living in an age where Christians will suffer because of our decisions mm. and foreign policies. And here's the point. The church is silent and the advocacy agencies are silent. They do not want to be seen to be criticizing their own and their own governments. Yes. Well, so it's a bleak picture. And as you said, it's, it's only Christ who can make sense of this. Mm. And he's the only one. And as we identify with the suffering we trust that he will bring a resurrection that's far, exactly. more, far more glorious and far and more that wonderful. That we can be certain of. Yes, and that's where our confidence is. Exactly. How do you, how do you keep, like, we've talked about it, how do you keep yourself going? Why not? How do you keep, you're 73, are you 73? 70, 72. 72, sorry. 72 years of age. How, how do you keep, how do you keep yourself with a realistic optimism in spite of the bleakness. I don't have an optimism nor pessimism. I live for today and the God of today. I have an eschatological end. Okay, explain to us what that, that means. Because eschat I know the end. And tell us the and end. And the end is glorious. The end is that Jesus, when he comes, will find faith on the earth. But everything will be put right. Yes. And Jesus will be Lord and King. So if I can see that end, mm. then today is but one day towards that end. Yes. I can't tell you tomorrow. You, no, that's right. And uh, I, I think of the words of John Newton says, in Christ our bad things can turn out for good. Exactly. Our good things can never be lost. And he but is the, the best ultimate is yet judge. to come. And he is the ultimate. He's the one, I think, and that's probably the ultimate thing, is that no matter how much Western secular thinking tries to deny it, there is a God who sees everything and exactly. who keeps records of everything. Exactly. And the Lord is building his church, whereas the candlesticks were in the West. He's now moving yeah. it. Yes, you're referring to Revelation there in yes. terms of where where the centers of Christianity were the exactly. West, but obviously those are... It is moving. Are moving away, yes. Uh, and it is the Lord who is doing it, and that's why our work in the Barnabas Fund is to support and strengthen mm. the old shoots, that the old plants that exist, and the new shoots. Yes. And to be there 
where Christ is and where his church is. I'm very much a church person. Right. I believe in yes. the doctrine of the church. I also, and this is the heart of the of Bond, the Christian brotherhood. What do I mean? The Muslims have an Ummah. Yes. We say we have a brotherhood. The word right. used in the New Testament is Adelphos. That means Delphos comes from a word literally meaning the womb. Right. So out of the womb comes a Christian community. And it's because of that we are loyal to one another, we care for each other, and we would die for one another. Yeah. The Muslims have the Ummah. It's yeah. the same. Ummah is mother and the womb, and the Muslims come out of the mother's womb. The problem is the church. It's an organization. It's a structure. It is racial. It is denominational. Well, folks, yes. We can say, and this is my theology, yes. we are born out of that common womb, out of Jesus, out of Jesus. and we are now members of that Christian family yeah. above all else and that is where our loyalty and purpose and what's powerful about that is, is as Jesus said that when we see hair of wars and rumors of wars not to be disturbed but to know that these are birth pains of, exactly. of a new age so yeah. as, as a mother giving birth yeah. has those pains exactly and as now, painful as they are when the baby comes but you see that has an effect on us now the 11th commandment mm. you shall love one another as I have loved you by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, mm. if you have love for one another. So we in the Barnabas Fund, whether it be Galatians 6.10, which reminds again, to just remind us do again. good to all, but especially, especially to the household of faith. Yes. Or John's uh, the words of Jesus in John chapter 13 to 17, what I call the 11th commandment, yes. to love one another. Mm. That is what lies at the heart of the Barnabas Fund. Yes. Thank you, Patrick, so much for really explaining that to us and opening that to us. And may God really have his great blessing upon you and on the work that you're doing. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you very, very much. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.